Today, we're talking about power questions. Massive power questions. Um, I, I really had to, you know, go out there and fail and ask the wrong questions to really get into a frame of like, I'm not going to let this happen anymore. I'm not going to feel this way. And I'm going to start to ask the right power questions. Who are we looking for coverage on? Why are we looking for, for coverage on them? What do we have in place already to take care of that if something were to happen today? Ryan, I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm using who, what, when, where, why, and how. But that's a terrible open-ended question, mm-hmm. right? Plan A is living forever. Plan A is living to 100. I, I get that. I'm with you. I, I, I'm hopeful for it. Mm. But what's that plan B? Well, guys, in life insurance, we have the best built-in urgency in the world. Unless anybody out there knows exactly when they're going to die, it could happen tomorrow. live this is the how to sell insurance podcast my name is ryan federico i'm here with my esteemed colleagues uh ashton delango lunday coming out of florida the dirty south and uh got keith fonseca mr dj debt free right in the smack dab center of new jersey thank god there's no snow today keith does buy me a lot of sports jerseys so it's very fitting that he lives in New Jersey because he always sends me New Jerseys. Today, we're talking about power questions. Massive power questions. You know, the uh, the, the first thing that I, I guess I just wanted to cover before we get into specifically with both of you guys, what are some of the power questions that you like to ask in a meeting with a client? What's cool about this is I think we all have little different ones that we like to ask. So this may be one of the episodes where we're not 100% just in lockstep with each other. But uh, there's some ground rules for those of you guys who are new to the insurance industry or for those of you guys who are struggling in the insurance industry to know uh, what we're going to be talking about today are open-ended questions. And if you don't know how to ask open-ended questions, you should probably do some training on that, research it, watch some YouTube videos, listen to more podcasts like this. But open-ended questions are going to be questions that start with who, what, when, where, why, and how. And we're going to start off all of our questions rather than saying, um, does your family live close in rapport? We're going to say, where does your family live? And get them to expand a little bit more. Could you stay in this house if your husband died rather than how long could you stay in this house if your husband died? Or how long could you stay in the house when your husband dies, which is even a better power way to ask that question by saying this is going to happen. So uh, learning how to do open-ended questions is extremely crucial. And that's where I just wanted to start off with, uh, with both of our, our uh, co-hosts here is to figure out uh, when you guys first started, were you asking those open-ended questions and uh, what's changed in your game since you started asking more open-ended questions and letting the client talk more than you? Um, Keith, we'll go to you first. I guess when I first started, I was, you know, scared. Can I say shitless on this uh, podcast? I was scared shitless. Why not? Yeah, why not? It's our podcast. I was scared because I just, I didn't understand the insurance industry. I didn't know what the heck I was talking about. And I didn't realize that selling insurance has less to do with insurance and more to do with connection with people. And I know that's like a general term that people, oh, you know, to be good at sales, you got to connect with people and understand people. Uh, So when I first started, I just, I didn't really connect with myself. I didn't understand myself. And my questions were, what, you know, what do you want? It was really like being more of a servant and not being of service. 
So it was like, you know, what insurance do you want? What do you need? What kind of insurance do you want? And I really, there was no power to it, right? When I first started and I discovered as I did this more and more and more, um, they, they don't want me to ask that question, right? Because most people have no idea what they want. They wanted me to start to diagnose their needs. And so, you know, I developed my own little process, which I'm sure we'll get to, but um, I, I really had to, you know, go out there and fail and ask the wrong questions to really get into a frame of like, I'm not going to let this happen anymore. I'm not going to feel this way. And I'm going to start to ask the right power questions. So to your question, before I discovered power questions, I had to discover I'm in control. Yeah, totally. And what's interesting about that, Keith, is that uh, we just gave some examples of open-ended questions and suggested that every question that uh, a salesperson asks, especially in insurance, every question that an insurance agent asks should probably be an open-ended question. And you just gave an example of an open-ended question that's a terrible open-ended question, mm -hmm. right? What do you want? Starts with what? Ryan, I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm using who, what, when, where, why, and how, but the, you know, it's, it's more in the way that you're asking the question of what your goal is. And I really love what you said about learning how to be in control of an appointment. And you're the one asking the questions. You're asking questions with intent. Every question that I ask is taking them one step closer to the corner that I want to paint them into so that they see that they need insurance and we can fill out an application tonight. Um, and so really understanding where you want to go and that you're driving the bus even if they think they're in the driver's seat, which is, I think, we're, what we want to get them to, right, is they think they're driving, but really it's mm. you're leading them where you want them to go. Um, man, that's, that's such an interesting concept. Ashton, uh, what, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, in, in the beginning, that was definitely something that I didn't do, uh, of asking open-ended questions, more of just making statements and not really digging in and asking the right questions. And, you know, I, I think... The biggest thing was figuring out, you know, those, you know, those interrogative uh, pronouns, you know, uh, shout out to, to Mrs. Mm. Forbes and Mrs. Lanou there, uh, you know, who, what, when, where, how, why, to what extent. Um, I told them I would never use English again, grammar. I was very wrong. Uh, I use it every day in every appointment uh, going through that list. And every time I go through that list and I get those answers, I always end up with an application. And, and I break down each, each yeah. and every single one of those. Man, I, I love that. And what you just said, I believe to be true. I think Keith believes it to be true. Um, we talk a lot about the Pareto principle. And for those of you guys who don't know the Pareto principle, look it up, read about it. It's, it's a, a concept of 80% of your time should uh, be spent with the top 20% of your, you know, your agency or your top 20% of performers. And 80% uh, of the volume in your agency is going to be done by the top 20% of, of your people. And so it, it's just a way to dedicate your time um, to not give your time necessarily to people who aren't going to do anything with it. But there's another 80-20 rule. And the 80-20 rule that I'm talking about is when you're in an, an appointment to meet with a client to help them buy insurance, and that's really what we're doing. We're guiding them to buy insurance. Mm -hmm. They need to be talking 80% of the time, and you need to be talking 20% of the time. And the, if you let them talk 80% of the time, people love to talk about themselves. They're you know very interested in themselves. They want to give their opinions. They don't want to hear about you. They're not there for that. It's boring. Uh, so 
the closer that you get to you talking 50% and them talking 50%, the lower that your closing ratio goes. If you get to a place where you're talking 80% and they're talking 20%, you're going to have a very, very low close ratio. And so if at all possible, we want to shift that balance to where they're talking 80%, you're talking 20%, and most of the time that you're talking, you're asking them another question, right? Uh, that's open-ended to allow them to talk more so it keeps feeding itself. And I love that, Ashton, that you, you noticed that early on. Man, if I just come in here and I'm talking and I'm just like, Selling, 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 features, benefits, features, benefits. Let me pull this out of my hat and my shirt. They're not going to buy. They're not engaged. They're not giving answers. They don't like me. I don't have a relationship with them because they're not talking enough about themselves and what they think. Ryan, let's connect that to an everyday principle. Sorry, Ashton. Let's connect that to an everyday principle that people out there can really like absorb. Okay. I want to ask both of you, the people that you counsel with the most in your life, what's the number one trait that they tend to? Um, exude? Is it they talk about themselves or they listen? They listen. Right? So just let's think about that for a second. The people that I'm closest with are the people that listen to me the most. They're not the people who tell me the most stuff. They're not the people who direct me the most, that guide me the most. They're the people that listen to me most because I'm screaming to be heard. And that's what most clients are thinking right? Most customers out there, most folks that want to buy insurance, they need to be heard before they're answered. I mean, I've had appointments where 20 minutes later, the the individual is still telling me about how much he hates taxes and the government, (laughs) right? Or, you know, the, the price of gas is this, that, and the other thing. And too many of us are waiting for our opportunity to talk. So why is that 80-20 so important, at least to me? Because the people that I go to for counsel, they will spend the time to actually hear what I need before they help me with what I need, rather than giving me an answer with something I don't need. Just think about the family members that you're closest with out there listening in podcast land. Are they the people that pick up the phone and call you and dump on you? Or are they the people that you call and you dump on and they're just listening and going, it's going to be okay, you're not alone, right? So that's what people want when it gets to uh, an appointment. And I think you're 80, 20, so spot on. They'll tell you how to help them by. Yeah, I man, I, when I go think about the mentors that I go to and the people that guide me, it's it's more the second point for me that you made, Keith, which is being heard. It's not just that they listen to me talk 80% of the time, but in the 20% of time that they are talking, they're providing what they believe to be a solution, mm. a thoughtful solution to what I, what I just proposed as my issue. And so I do agree. Look, the people that we meet with for insurance, if they were the type of people that are going to buy from a computer, they wouldn't meet with you. They would have gone to one of those AI you know, bots. They would have gone to a website from their car insurance company. They would have bought some insurance there. Uh, the fact that they want to meet with you really signifies at a deep level that they want to be heard and they want to examine the issues that are in their life with somebody who can critically think, listen to their scenario, and then provide a solution that's tailored to their particular needs. Yep. And that's what we do by asking those open-ended questions, who, what, when, where, why, how. Uh, I even love if somebody's talking about gas, it's just like, wow, uh, how much gas do you use a week? It's, again, how? How much gas do you use a week? Where are you driving to that you're using all that gas? Oh, my God, I'm out on the roads all the time. Da, 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 da. I'm driving for work. I, I drive 800 miles a week. But like, uh, Do you think I just uncovered a need? Man, you're out on the road all the time. What would happen if you were in a car accident? 
But Ryan, how's that selling insurance? I have back-to-back appointments, and it has nothing to do with insurance, and I need to be efficient, and I need to present the best price and the best options, and I'm the expert. How in the world is that selling insurance? Well, yeah, I think we, you know, what I just did when I linked that to a need for insurance, somebody's talking to me about current events and and I'm asking, why does that make you upset? Or what do you think about, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is to build some rapport and some conversation. And we get down to the root of either I'm afraid, mm. I'm concerned. Uh, I get to identify something like I just did, which is like, well, how much gas are you using that you're worried that it's X dollars per gallon? Um, because for me, I work from home. Uh, you know, the only gas I use really is to take my kids to and from school. And, uh, you know, every once in a while I'll drive somewhere, but I don't use a heck of a lot of gas. So the, the cost of gas doesn't really bother me. Sorry for all you guys who aren't virtual and you're still <laughs> having to schlep around to all your appointments. But, uh, for, for, for me, like I, um, you know, I, I want to dig into those questions. And when that person's like, well, man, I got to drive X amount of time for work. I got to, I'm always out on the road. I'm using all this gas and the inflation and all this stuff. Yeah. I'm just uncovering more needs for, well, you know, what would happen again, what would happen if you were in a car accident? Who do you know who's been in a car accident before, you know, unexpectedly? And what was it like for them? Again, what, who, what, where, when, how, all those little pieces that I can drive. Again, I'm intentional with why I'm asking these questions. I'm driving them to an issue that we can cover for them and why they need insurance. Ryan, how much does it bother you that you're spending so much money on gas? Isn't the customer just saying I'm overspending my money and I need to find some financial security? Isn't that what that is about? Like every bit of someone sharing who they are at the beginning of an appointment through this process of open-ended questions is just really getting down to a funneling of the root of their pain in their life. And that's all we're looking to do is solve the pain. And there's just basically two real pains that people go through, right? It's the fear of loss and the pain of not having enough. And the pain of not having enough is usually wrapped around money. And too many people are trying to solve something that doesn't exist. And if you can solve the real pain, which is I'm afraid of not having enough money and I'm afraid of loss, those two pains. But drive the, in that gas analogy... Right. What is it really Ryan was talking about? Was it about gas or was it about it cost me too much money for gas and I'm running out of money and eventually my family's going to run out of money. And if we don't have enough money, well, they're going to be homeless on the street. And that's terrifying to me. And that's exactly what he was just saying, even though he's talking about gas and too many agents miss that because they're not critical about, OK, let me dig in to find why are you talking about gas? Why is that so important to you? What are some of the ways that you do that uh, in an appointment, Ashton, that kind of gets you on the right the right uh, foot? Yeah, honestly, I, I have those those lists of those interrogative pronouns every single time, and I'm going through and figuring out what that concern is. So who are we looking for this coverage to be on? You know, oh, well, you know, I'm looking for it on, you know, husband. Okay. Um, why is it important that we need coverage on on John? Okay, what do we have in place right now, if anything, to take care of this mortgage? You know, if we're talking about mortgage protection, you know, whatever that financial need is, whether it's a final expense, mm-hmm. whether it's a mortgage, whether it's debt, I got a bunch of debt that I'm trying to make sure is covered if I pass away because, you know, it's going to go to my spouse. You know, who are we looking for coverage on? You know, why are we looking for, for coverage on them? What do we have in place already to take care of that if something were to happen today? If something were to happen today, where would you? 
have to go? Would you be able to stay in this home or, yeah. or would you have to move? Well, let, let's break this down, you guys, because uh, we want to give everybody some real power questions that you can ask verbatim in appointments and uh, that will help you take control of your appointments and move yourself into the position of writing more applications. That's the whole pur purpose of this podcast here, to get you in a position to write more applications. So let's uh, let's talk about really three sections of the appointment. The first one is going to be the opening or the first third of the appointment, if you will. A lot of people build rapport and break the ice and and uh, you know establish a need. Then uh, the sec the middle segment of an appointment is uh, building the emotion or what a lot of agents call the why, giving them a reason to buy insurance. And then the third one is the close, right? So uh, when we look at rapport, the beginning of an appointment, I'll start it off. One of the questions that I love to ask in the beginning of an appointment is uh, how long have you been thinking about putting coverage in place or how long have you been thinking about getting insurance? And I want to get out on the table, especially if it's husband and wife, I, I want to ask both of them is, you know, is that accurate? So if, if a uh, husband's like, Oh, you know, since we got the house, uh, whatever, or, you know, since we had the kid, whatever motivation that has brought them to your conversation. If they're, if, if he says that I want to go to the wife and go like, is that how long you've been thinking about coverage as well? And get her to either agree or disagree with, with his statement. So she's, she's not agreeing or disagreeing with me and my question. She's agreeing or disagreeing with his statement. Yeah. It's been about that long or no, I've been asking him to get coverage for five years. You think that's valuable? For me to have later on in the appointment when he says, I'm going to think about it. And I go, well, I mean, your wife seems to think that she's wanted you to get this for five years and you've been putting it off and put it off. How much longer are you going to put, put it off? It's been six months since you had the baby and you've been thinking about this already for six months. How much longer were you going to think about this before we actually got you protected and put some coverage in place? So I love to ask that question in the beginning of the appointment as we're starting to transition from just, hey, how you doing into talking about insurance. How long have you been thinking about getting insurance? Before we go to my thing, I want to hit on a key critical point of what you just did, that most sure. people will leap over and not even notice that is so important, right? You asked it from a perspective of assumption. You didn't ask, do you want insurance? Mm. No, are you thinking about insurance? You framed it with how long have you been thinking about insurance, which means there's an assumption there that they're thinking about insurance, isn't there, on your part. Yeah. So it didn't open the door for them to say, ah, we don't need it. We haven't been thinking about it. It's not really important to us. We're just kicking the tires for prices. None of that is on the table at this point. If you open with how long have you been thinking about putting some coverage in place, the only re uh, opportunity for me to answer there is to give you an amount of time or to yeah. say, I'm not thinking about getting coverage in place. And then it's like, okay, well, then why are we meeting, Right. So again, open, open-ended questions. Then why are we meeting? It's why are we so here? It's so important yeah. that when we put this information out in these podcasts on how to sell insurance is that we, you know, if you're listening, dig in deeper on the, why are we asking these things that there's intentionality behind it and that it's meant to set up specific responses from the client and that we're doing it on purpose. And that I don't even know if you were going to talk about that, Ryan. You just do it so naturally every single time that there's an assumption level. Oh, you're getting coverage, right? And you want coverage. I'm not asking you yeah. if that's true. 
hundred percent. I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you expanding on that because it is something that I do subconsciously now, just because I've been doing it for so long. Mm-hmm. But it's something I had to work on. Uh, just like I think a lot of people that are listening to this, you're going to need to work on it. Repetition, 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 until it just becomes naturally what you do. And that's a perfect segue to Keith into you know your one what you do at the beginning of an appointment, and then we're going to go to Ashton. Power question that you ask at the beginning of the appointment. So Keith, let's talk about you know, your repetition of the beginning of an appointment and you have a, a specific sequence of a couple of questions that you ask that are open-ended that set the tone that are power questions right at the beginning of the appointment. So what are those? Yeah, it's really intentional for me to really give them a sense of I'm here for them. I'm not mm-hmm. here for me. So that's built through rapport, right? Just to be clear, inside of rapport, I'm asking specific deep questions about the things they're saying so I can connect that back to myself so that we have things in common. So that when I ask my first question, I know already in their mindset is, this dude cares about me. This guy actually like understands who I am. So I can sort through sort of the BS of like, oh, okay, let me make you feel good and feel okay about this thing. So I just go right to the heart of it, right? And Maybe I'll claim we're on the East Coast and in the Midwest, someone will, you know, write in and say that wouldn't work here because people are a little less receptive to directness. But I don't know. I Mm. write a lot of applications in the Midwest and the West and I write them all over the country. So it doesn't matter. Um, My number one question is, what was your goal for this appointment? Right. Let's undress it for a second. Um, I'm putting the onus on you to tell me, you know, why are you here? Right. And and be very, very specifically direct. And and oftentimes I'll say, hey, uh, Ashton, let me ask you a quick question. What was your goal for this appointment? And and the reason I'm asking you this is because I, I just want to focus directly on that and keep that um, as the main thing. So what was your goal for this appointment? Yeah, uh, simply just to make sure if something happened, the, you know, the mortgage was taken care of. Okay, terrific. So in this case, it's mortgage. Some cases, just kids, life insurance, whatever. But in this case, it's mortgage. And I'm like, okay, great. But I have to now follow it up with the emotional question. So for me, it's like I do these four in my sleep. That's, I think, what Ryan's getting to. Like at, on every appointment, it's these four in a row, no matter what, right? So the first one was the logical question, what we call the head, heart, gut, shoes. So that was the head, right? The logic question. The second question was, why is that important to you? Now, most people are going out there probably listening. Well, isn't that implicit, right? Isn't it, you know? Of course, someone would want their mortgage covered, but I need the customer to say it. I need them to verbalize it because I'm not selling insurance. I'm creating the space for them to buy. So I need them to tell me why it's important to them. So I always do the agree, then it's either uh, accept or deflect, and then the next question, right? Agree. These are tactical things that I use. Agree, accept or deflect. So if he says something I don't like, I'm going to deflect. If he says something that agrees with what I want, I'm going to agree, and then I'm going to follow up with the next question. Um, And this works in every scenario. So go ahead. Uh, Ashton, what was your goal for this appointment? Uh, To make sure that the mortgage is taken care of. Yeah, totally understand. Me too. I'd want my mortgage to be taken care of. That's my agree. Um, and, And that's probably really, really important to you, like most folks. That's my accept. So then why is that important to you? Uh, really just want to make sure that this is kind of just taken care of, uh, for, for my wife, if something were to happen. 
So now he didn't give me a totally emotional response, although he did say his wife at the end. So now I'm going to agree, deflect, and go back to my question. Oh, yeah, um, totally get it. You know, I have a family as well. Why is it important to you to get some protection in place for your family? Well, because if something happens to me, then I probably wouldn't be able to take care of the the home with uh, the income that's left. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. So if I hear you correctly, sounds like you're saying it would really, really be terrible and you would feel badly if your family couldn't afford to stay in the home. Is that right? Yeah. I'm pushing and pushing on where's that feeling, head, heart. This is the gut, right? The gut punch. And Ryan likes to say one plus one equals two. That's my favorite. Right? So are you saying that God forbid something should happen to you tomorrow and we don't get some protection in place today? Your family couldn't afford to stay in the home? Well, guys, in life insurance, we have the best built-in urgency in the world. Because unless anybody out there knows exactly when they're going to die, uh, and most of you have probably come across someone who died unexpectedly, and I mean, that's pretty much everyone in the world, uh, it could happen tomorrow to the best of us, to any of us. So are you saying, Ashton, I mean, God forbid something should happen to you tomorrow on the way home from work or something that a doctor didn't pick up internally? I mean, I would really hate if that happened, but God forbid something should happen to you tomorrow. Are you saying that if we don't put some coverage in place today, your family couldn't afford to stay in the home? Yeah, no, if something happened to me and they lost that income, I don't I don't think they'd be able to afford to be able to stay in this home. Okay, so that was the gut punch. And now he just admitted he has to buy. So now intentionally, I'm going to tie it down. That's why we call it shoes. I'm going to tie it down. Well, then we should probably get some coverage in place today. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, there's definitely a need, it seems like. Yeah, so I think it's important, especially for new agents to understand that the usually the first time that you ask somebody why they want insurance, they're going to give you a very surface level answer. So we call it the surface why. And Ashton gave that surface why perfectly because he gets it all the time because he writes a lot of applications, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we get people that are just like, yeah, if something happens to me, I, I want my family to be taken care of. Or if something happens to me, I want to make sure my family's protected. That's just a surface level why. And by going one layer deeper and just going, well, why is that important to you? It kind of makes them think for a second. And it gets into the emotion of just like, well, if something happened to me, like Ashton said, they wouldn't be able to, to stay in the house if they lost my income. Oh, and so now I want to drive that emotion home and make sure we punch them like right in the gut. Now, don't physically punch them, but we want to <laughs> we want to make sure that that emotion has impact and it raises their need for insurance by saying, so are you saying that if something happened to you tomorrow and you didn't have this coverage put in place tonight, that your family's going to lose this house? And all of a sudden, they're they're confronted with the reality in their face that they were skirting around and sort of, you know, walking around the real consequence of not having this coverage. And they're like, yeah, they're going to lose this house. It's like, wow. Well, I can see why this coverage is important to you. Uh, we should probably put in some coverage in place tonight then, don't you think? And tie it down. Get them to say, yeah, we should put some coverage in place tonight because I don't like this feeling. Uh, so it's those four questions are really amazing. We call it head, heart, guts, shoes. You get their head answer out, then you get their heart answer out, then you kind of hit them in the gut with the reality of their situation, and then you tie down when you tie the shoes, right? You tie it down at the end um, so that you, you make sure that you lock that emotion in before you move on to your, your next stage. So do you 
guys counsel with people who are afraid to hit you in the gut? Or do you counsel with people who are not afraid to hit you in the gut because you know that their intent is to help you and you need them to point out the blind spots that you don't notice or to bring you some sense of reality with a little bit of care package there, but you need them to present you with some truth so that you will take action. Because most of us, when we don't face the truth, we won't take action. So I'm curious, do you guys counsel with people that will hit you with truth or people who are afraid to give you truth? I would only challenge that thought for a new agent thinking about who you counsel with going, what do you really want to hear versus what do you need to hear? Mm. And yeah. there's there's a difference between those two. And man, I would love for everything to be packaged to me with bubble wrap and for everybody to be super courteous and like care about my feelings. And there's sometimes when I, I really need to have those covers pulled and have a blind spot shown to me that this is an issue. Otherwise, it's not going to benefit me as as a human being. It's the same thing here. Uh, we can tiptoe around, you know, that, okay, you want insurance, great. But if we don't get into what the reality of, of their situation is going to look like, if they don't have insurance and kind of punch them in the gut a little bit, we're not really doing them a service. Uh, Ashton, yep. going to you, so we're talking about the middle of the appointment now, talking about digging into the why, getting the, the emotion out on the table, building the need for insurance. What are some of the power questions that you ask people in, in that process that keep you in control and keep them talking and, and uh, selling themselves on the need for insurance? We said earlier, you know, we're kind of guiding them to, to buy insurance. And really, I mean, that's just part of the process. That's, that's not the end result. That's not the solution. The solution is peace of mind. Insurance is just yeah. a part of that process. So when you keep mm -hmm. in mind that this isn't a sales industry, that this is building a relationship and how can I best serve you? What are those ways that I can guide and counsel? You know, looking at it, you know, 90% of families are in jeopardy of losing their home. The person bringing home the, the most money, that breadwinner were to pass away. And Susie, what would that look like financially for you? That if something happened to John tomorrow, what would that look like for you financially? And now we're kind of re-going mm. through. I mean, I should have already done a financial assessment going through it. But now I'm bringing that back when we're a little later in the appointment. And then I asked that third yeah. question, which is, if something were to, to happen to you, do you want to stay in this home, Susie, or, or do you want to move? And that's going to tell me how much coverage we're looking for in order to accomplish that peace of mind. And maybe I, I can save them a bunch, uh, but that's that's kind of what I, I do in about the the middle of the appointment. I love I love that, and I love uh, involving both parties. I think a lot of times new agents don't involve both parties, especially if there's a dominant party sitting at the table. Um, a lot of times I see new agents they run away from this, right? Where it's like we we've got a husband that's that's in control, or we've got a wife that's in control. It happens both ways, and we don't get the other party involved because we think that there's only one negotiator at the table. And so a great example of this, Ashton, you just did again subconsciously is you know when John tells me, well, I I want to have this this and this because if this happens, this is going to be an issue. I go I, personally, I highlight it even more. I go, okay, John, here's the deal. Okay, I need you to play along with this with me here. We're going to illustrate if this happens. So, John, you're dead. So you can't talk anymore in this conversation. You're gone. Susie, John's dead. What are you going to be doing now that John's dead, right? Or what does that look like for you financially? How long would you be able to stay in this house? Where do you think you would go? 
what do you want to do with this house? Would you sell it? Would you keep it? Could you afford to sell it? Right? Asking those questions, well, John's dead. But then, really importantly, after Susie answers, I go, okay, I'll you know, make light of it, John. You've come back to life, right? You can make a resurrection joke if you are particularly religious. But, um, you know, anyway, John, you come back to life. Welcome back to join us. And then immediately go to John, especially if he's been dominating that conversation and Susie hasn't been talking and go, John, how does it make you feel to hear Susie say that? How does it make you feel to hear Susie say that? Again, how? I'm not asking, does that concern you? Because he can just go, yeah, it concerns me. I'm asking, how does it make you feel to hear your wife say that she's extremely worried about this? Because you get a dominated person now locked into a corner where their wife is actually running the show or their husband's actually running the show, the non-dominated person. And they kind of go, usually most people who dominate a conversation know that they dominate conversations. And so they immediately pull off the gas and they go, yeah, you're, you're right. We got to get this taken care of because my spouse really wants to get this taken care of. So really amazing that you did that, Ashton, um, you know, just naturally. Uh, one of the things that the, the one power question that I love to ask this is the, the one that I make sure I ask every single appointment, no matter what, in the emotion, in that section where I'm building the why. It's a who question. And a lot of times we don't get the who questions, um, you know, maybe who would be your beneficiary or something like that. So my who question is, who do you know who's had something like this happen to them? For instance, who do you know that's unexpectedly had a heart attack? Who do you mm. know who's died unexpectedly? Who do you know who's been diagnosed with cancer unexpectedly or been in a car accident unexpectedly? And so I want to ask that, who do you know that's had something like this happen to them? Because what I've found is when I ask that question, 90% of the time, and I mean it's that high of a percentage of the time, the reason why I'm even meeting with them is that subconsciously, there was something that happened to a friend of theirs, a family member of theirs, something like that. And when they got the letter for insurance or when they saw the ad for insurance or when I called them as a warm market about insurance, they were recalling that subconscious feeling of what happened to their sister or what happened to their aunt or what happened to their neighbor or what happened to their coworker. And they were like, I don't want that to happen to me. I need insurance. And this is yeah. all happened subconsciously. So when I dig into the who do you know, and they're like, well, my sister, what's my next question? What happened? Again, 80%, 20%. What happened? Oh, she got diagnosed with cancer when she was 33. You can ask, how old was she? What was that like for her? What did she have to go through? Was she still able to work during that time? Right? Where did she have to go? What would happen if the same thing happened to you? What would you do? Where would you go? Right? And, and now I've just linked those two things that was their main concern anyway to exactly what's going to happen to their life if they don't have this coverage put in place. And they're just brought up that emotion to a level 99 of the reason why they're even meeting with me in the first place. So that question again is, uh, who do you know that has had something like this happen to them? And, and man, I ask at every appointment and it works pretty much 100% of the time. Go ahead. Go ahead. I wanted to dig into something a little deeper like we did earlier where most people are not noticing the assumption. Um, Ryan used the word just now link, right? But there's a, mm -hmm. di there's a much deeper meaning to that word link. It's really painting a picture, right? And why do we paint the picture? Again, I'm master of mindset. I'll give you 
an analogy here. When was the last time you went to a restaurant and you didn't know what to order? And you asked the waiter or the server, hey, what's the best thing here? You know, what would you get? And they go, man, Mm -hmm. I love that steak. It's got an amazing pepper crust. You know, they roast it over an open fire for about 20 minutes. Um, It comes with the most amazing asparagus in a lemon butter sauce. And then some mashed potato. I mean, right now I'm thinking about getting that. You're making me hungry, man. There you go. So, you know, lunchtime. Let's let's go a little bit controversial here. There's some people out there who are listening that are want to be in this industry that probably are having it on their mind. Because I was thinking and I was listening. You guys are fear mongering, right? You guys are like kind of pulling their fears out. But the thing about it is that we have to understand is those fears already exist. They existed before we arrived. They exist after we arrive. And the person that's not willing or courageous enough to actually uncover the fear, not create new fear, right? Uncover the fear to actually help them uh, live in that scenario now. Far too often do we not live in our most tragic scenarios. And when they hit, we're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's like this. I, I didn't expect it to happen this way. And it really hurts. I've been through this twice. Right. So the first time when my brother passed away at 41, man, living in that scenario was the worst, was absolutely the worst because I was not prepared. The second time when my sister-in-law, my other brother's wife passed away, it was like I handled it a little bit differently and a little bit better. Still sadness and grief, but I had been through it before. So Mm -hmm. my job is to uncover the fear and help them. Uh, sort of paint that picture and live in that scenario so that they understand this can happen to you. And when it does, do you want to be prepared or do you not want to be prepared? Um, And most of the time we relate our own experiences to the experiences of the people we're closest to. So that to me is why your link, that link is painting the picture of like, do you know someone this has happened to and, and what happened? And they're explaining it. And while they're explaining it, it's likely that they're or who you said who not do. Who do you know? Right. Of that assumption. They're explaining it and they're they're seeing themselves in that scenario as they're describing it to you. And that's where that emotion is triggered of like, holy shit, I don't want that to happen to me. I better get some coverage in place. And there's nothing wrong with that. Fear mongering is me saying, Keith, you're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> Keith, Jesus. you're going to be in a car accident tomorrow and your family's going to be screwed, right? It's, yeah. it's me like pushing this, this reality on you that something bad is going to happen. Um, uncovering your concerns and uncovering your vulnerabilities by asking questions about what's important to you is not fear mongering. Mm-hmm. It's, it's me asking you, what are you afraid of? What are you worried about? What keeps you up at night? I ask people sometimes, and, and you know, I know we got to wrap this up here, but I ask people sometimes, does it just bother you like when you leave the house every day? Is it just like, is it gnawing at you like in your subconscious and like that feeling in the back of your head that like if you were in a car accident, this whole thing could go up in flames? Like one illness? Are you like walking around on eggshells knowing that like your family's not going to be in their house? Like, does it bother you in your daily life? Yes. And a lot of times you get people that are like, yeah, it is a concern for me. Sometimes you get people who haven't thought about it and they're like, ah, not really. And it's kind of weird when they say that in front of their like spouse, because it's like, (laughs) I don't really think about their well-being. You know what I mean? Um, But like a lot of times you get people that are like, yeah, it does bother me. Now they have like a real severe issue that they're recognizing. This is a weight on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And man, I've had I've had clients cry 
And, you know, I'll tell this one story. There's a guy, uh, I remember his uh, his last name was St. Andre, but he was a military guy. And in the military, they don't have periods in between St. and Andre. So everybody called him Standry. So it was like <laughs> Lieutenant Standry instead of Lieutenant St. Andre. Anyway, he had a motorcycle. So I'm, I'm driving to his houses way back when I was still seeing people in person. Mm-hmm. Great family, uh, him and his wife. And he has this, he has these three motorcycles in front of his house, like road bikes, um, you know, like road kings, like the real nice cushy bikes, you know, that, that they take on long trips and, um, you know, he's polishing them and he's a motorcycle guy. And we start talking about his bikes and we're building rapport in his driveway. And he's telling me all about the rides that they're doing. And then we go inside and, um, you know, we start talking about this stuff. And as I'm digging through all this stuff is the wife starts crying. And she basically goes just like, I'm afraid he's going to crash on that motorcycle every time that he's out and yep. he's going to die. Yep. And she'd never shared that with him before. And number one, you think we got a need for insurance, right? A wife is crying at the table going, I'm afraid my husband's going to die. On, uh, you know, yep. this came from that questioning of just like, what, what would happen if this, and what are your main concerns and what do you think you would do? And why is that, is that so important to you? And, and, you know, Hey, uh, Lieutenant Standry, uh, you're dead, so you can't talk in this conversation. Let's talk to your wife here. What do you think you would do? And then when we came back to him and he was brought back to life, um, you know, he was just like, I've never, I, I never thought about that before. And when I came back to deliver the policy, which again, I'm going to be a super big proponent of delivering your policies to your clients and showing up a second time to build that value. I delivered the policy to him and the bikes were for sale. Like, two, wow. like a week and a half later, he had, he had the signs up and they were for sale in front of the, in front of the house. And he was just like, yeah, I can't ride them anymore. It, crazy. It's something that was this built into this guy that had hardly everything everywhere and had these bikes. And like, we don't recognize how powerful this emotion is for people um, that when we tap into it, their need for insurance skyrockets. You think that family uh, was grateful for your visit? Yeah, he uh, he sent me probably like 10 referrals <laughs> since since that point in time. Um, guys, you know, he's just one of those guys. Yeah, he's a guy you don't even have to ask for referrals. He just sends them to you. Um, and we've we've had a great relationship, but it was because I wasn't just going in going, you need insurance, right? I, I was exploring why, yeah. what they were concerned about, why they needed insurance. Go ahead, Ashton. Plan A is living forever. Plan A is living to 100. I, I get that. I'm with you. I'm I ho- I'm hopeful for it. Mm. Well, what's that plan B? And is there one? And if there's not, yeah, I, let's figure this out. I was just going to say, I, I love that, man. I mm-hmm. love the, what's your plan if you don't have this coverage? Because most people's plans suck. And we're just going to go through like, your plan sucks. We're not going to tell them that, but we're, they're going to admit that to themselves. Yeah, my plan's not a really great plan, and I need a better plan. And that's, that's why I'm talking to you is ultimately what we're saying. So what do you do when you get questions? And so this happens to a lot of new agents. Somebody will ask a question. Uh, they want clarity on a product, or they want clarity on uh, how a product works, or they want clarity on terms. They want clarity on, well, what's in the contract and I need to see everything in writing and I need to have this reviewed by my lawyer and like all these things. Right. Um, and we will, uh, from a novice standpoint, the novice agent will tend to answer those questions as best they can. And they'll look at it as an objection that they need to overcome rather than the best strategy 
for you to overcome an objection that you're getting or a question that you're getting throughout the appointment is to ask another question in response to it. I love the skit from Parks and Recreation where it's uh, Ron Swanson as a hostile witness and he's in like a government hearing and every question the guy asks, he's like, I'm going to answer this question with a question. And so one of the things is like, well, uh, what happens at the end of this term? If I don't die in 15 years or I don't die in 20 years or, or something like that, what happens then? And it's like maybe the prerogative of a new agent to be like, well, it's just, it's just over. Rather than an experienced agent who would go, well, I want to answer that question for you. But before I do, I want to ask, why does that concern you? By just answering that question, oh, it's just over? That when they told you 15 minutes later they were going to think about it is because they just weren't sold on the concept of having term insurance. And you didn't address their, their concerns. You didn't ask them, why is that important to you? Uh, any uh, any final thoughts from you guys before we go on on maybe specific power questions you'd like to ask or or the concept of asking power questions in an appointment? Uh, well, I'll just say this: two things. One sounds like a chess match of questions and answers, answers and questions, and being able to put myself in the best position to be able to uncover, find the need, or reveal, like Ashton said earlier. I'm of the mindset that there isn't anybody out there that doesn't need more coverage because more money is better than less money. So I don't care if they have $2 million, $3 million is better than $2 million. So mm. I'm just uncovering how it fits into their life and whether they want to take action. But I want to be someone who's influencing people to make decisions and influential people uh, helping people to make decisions. They ask deep and profound questions before they just shoot off an answer. That way it makes the other person feel like they're being heard and understood and, man, seek to understand rather than to be understood. All right. Well, you heard it here. That is our podcast on asking quality questions. Power question. Power questions. Uh, we want to invite everybody to visit our website, writemoreapps.com. want you to click the like and subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, continue to look for our new episodes every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time on wherever you find your podcasts, whether that's Spotify or Apple or what have you. Uh, you can always hit us up directly on Facebook on the How to Sell Insurance Podcast Facebook page, and uh, we'll be coming to you next week with fresh content. Take care, everybody. 